I can hear you. Oh, that's nice and clear. That's great. All right. It's All a new right. era. Good, good stuff. So we, after a little bit of technical issue last time we tried recording, Ira's new nice, beautiful uh, podcast microphone is working. And you can hear his nice, clear voice there now. And uh, I think I've heard that there's one in the pipeline for me. So uh, maybe next time we'll get, a, we'll get fully on board here. Yeah, I guess this will be a good a good test run of uh, if it enhances one's podcasting abilities. Or if, uh, uh, yeah, you, you sound great. I'm not going to lie. You sound a lot better than normal, you know. So uh, this, is, this is good stuff. Uh, we're back. We are in week four of the 2021 fantasy basketball season. Um, feels like a lot's gone on and nothing's gone on. I feel, like, I feel like it's just a continuation of last season in some ways. Like not the exact teams, but just like, I don't know. Things things feel very settled very early on here. I, I don't know how you feel about the season so far. Uh, there's definitely a haves and have nots out of the gate. I mean, I think uh, there are some differences. I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe I think kind of like the line in the sand has been drawn quickly maybe this season. Uh, I don't know. I guess we've had our Dan Weiser's uh, razor flag week four in the past. But uh, I think in recent years it's stayed a little more tight for a little longer. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not looking good for parity so far. Um, we have two managers uh, at the dreaded 6-21 and 21 record for a 222 uh, win percentage. Both of those managers are down right now, 3536 uh, early in the week. Um, so it's looking uh, like not the easiest for them to dig out. Um, Justin, who I, I'm sure we'll dig into momentarily, is in the third bottom, as they would say in the in uh, in the British, you know, soccer standings. Uh, he's third bottom uh, with ten and sixteen, uh, with a three eighty nine win percentage, and he's currently down two six to Nostra Giannis. Um, and obviously, like Wednesday's not over yet, and you know, yeah. two seven so now. Give you that instant update. A lot happens, but you know, uh, a bad outcome here from a, a kind of middling John team. Uh, would not be a, a great start for Justin. Um, so uh, I guess actually let's let's start with Justin. He's an avid listener and wants to hear about himself, even in a, in a down year, which is commendable, you know, in my view. He he has a started out the season with a three six loss to Garrett, a five three win over Andrew, and a two seven loss to Duran. Um, sitting third from the bottom of the standings. Uh, do you think Justin has a chance to Justin his way back up to the playoffs this season? Uh, I certainly would have put it past him. I mean, hey, look, it, uh, it just takes one trade, right, to uh, quickly reset your roster situation. Um, and, you know, it's not like this team's uh, so banged up. I mean, he's got Rui Hachimara in the IL spot, but, uh, you know, Julius Randle, Sabonis, Donovan Mitchell's having probably the best year of his career so far. Um, I wouldn't count Justin out yet. If anything, uh, the aggression slowed down a little bit the last few days. I'm, uh, I'm surprised. Must be, I don't know, must be taking the dog to the kennel or something to uh, be so distracted right now. Yeah, uh, this is actually a, a fantasy roster that you look at, and like if you if you just took a picture of this and looked at it again in three years, you'd be like, man, th- this is like a championship team because um, it's a lot of young guys that like are on that trajectory to be really good fantasy players. I think. Um, and, uh, I, I, you know, that's the, the, almost the issue here is that none of these guys are really bad enough to drop. 
Um, but they're not really good enough to deliver Justin the win, maybe. Um, so yeah, I, I think he's treading water. Unfortunately for him, he hasn't really faced any of the heavy hitters in the schedule yet. Uh, I know Garrett had projected himself to be one of those heavy hitters. Uh, I don't think Andrew um, was looking that good. I think you had him as a D plus in your preseason rankings. Uh, John kind of, again, self-projected high end of the pack, but he's really middle. And I, I don't think you had him that in high esteem either. Um, so yeah, he's going to have to kind of turn it around here in like the coming weeks or have to make some difficult decisions, you know, especially if he's not going to make moves at the level that he has in the past. Maybe Justin's playing chess in that, like maybe he looked at his roster this year, said, Hey, this is a nice base for the future. I'll make some, I'll make some trades to like really have a good roster next year and just push off people setting like a moves limit for one more year. You know, maybe that's his, that's his end game here. Doesn't really sound like the Justin we know though. I mean, uh, he's never been a, a long-term uh, patient manager, uh, you know, willing to give up on the here and now. I think this is a guy that, uh, you know, has a love for the game, uh, loves well, the competition, yeah. you know, he'll do any move he can to, you know, get a little advantage. You're not, you're not wrong, but I do think he was spooked by the Conley Accords. You know, he, he was really spooked that it wasn't delayed an entire year. So maybe now he's just like, look, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take this year as my, as my planning year for next year. Had I known that, you know, the Conley Accords is going to happen. And now he's setting up his next year's roster for the first time in a long time. Um, you know, he hasn't come calling to my knowledge to people yet for, to make trades. Um, we're going to, you know, the question, I guess, is if he turns Eric or Dan early on here and tries to consolidate rosters with them to just try to get back into the swing of things. But, uh, yeah, uh, look, uh, as I kind of proved last year, and, and Justin's the, the kind of manager that could very easily take advantage of that strategy, he's not, he's not too far out of it yet for the way he attacks the season. Um, you know, three more weeks like this may be unsustainable, but, like, you know, if he decides next week to kind of amp it up a little bit and, and try to take advantage somewhere, um, maybe, you know, give up some assets for a roster with premium talent, like, you know, maybe Trevira, who may, I don't know, may, may have to rebalance his roster in a different way. Um, you know, maybe he could take advantage there, but. Yeah. Uh, He's got Dank next week. So, I mean, if he can get through John, you know, in like a four or five fashion, which, you know, is kind of the. Uh, the John calling card, uh, you know, he can try and knock out Dan with like a seven, two blow and then try to make a deal with him afterwards. You know, I think that's, yeah. that's, I mean, that's the only chance right now. I mean, he's still in it with John, so maybe he can win that matchup, but I don't know. Just, he hasn't had enough guys hit like Scotty Barnes, Scotty Barnes is looking good for the Raptors. Uh, but now they have Siakam back. So that could be a hit. Uh, Drew Holiday should start improving. I know he had a bit of like a playoff and Olympics hangover, but uh, I don't know. Just roster just doesn't have enough goods yet. That's yeah. that much is clear. And by the way, we should clarify. It's not like he hasn't been, like maybe he's slowed down from the first weeks of the season, but he's leading the league in moves at 34, which essentially puts him on pace for like 200 moves over the season. So uh, we should pump the brakes on, on saying he's not really doing stuff. Um, you know, Eric also in that kind of bottom spot right now. I, I like that he seems to continue to be making moves here. Um, so, so hopefully, you know, that's a good sign. I think to see that he's at least trying to, to get himself out of the basement. Um, 
I don't know if any of that's driven by trying to get to that 10 spot, but you know, it's, it's good to, good to see some activity this, there. This is, our, this is a rough roster right now. I mean, the injuries have really, really beaten him up and, uh, he, I mean, missing the draft, you know, is a, uh, you know, that's a big problem. I, I would say missing the draft this year has been a, a clear indicator of a team that's going to have some problems. Uh, yeah. And, and, and Dan got pretty lucky, like the last season or two with the auto draft where he wound up with a pretty nice roster. Um, this year went the other way for him, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. Eric's team is missing Chris Middleton. Um, and, and I don't know if he's the kind of guy that like when he, when he comes back right away, um, you know, that he's going to save this team. DeAndre Aiden's been out, and that's a guy who, in my opinion, is not going to be rushing back anytime soon. <laughs> between between you know the teams and man- management's unwillingness to give him a big time contract, between uh, things going on with Robert Sarver there in Phoenix, and you know maybe he just says, look, you know last year was great, we had a nice run, but uh, until I get the respect I deserve, I'm not going to you know do it, you know. Uh, I'll do this like Shaq. I'm going to, I'm going to rehab on company time. This is company time now. So, um, you know, he has Jonathan Isaac and who, who to me still is the most overrated, unproven fantasy asset of all time. Uh, <laughs> like what's he had like 10 good games in his career that everyone blows up about. And yeah. Tobias Harris, who like not a great fantasy player, even when he's fully, I, uh, that's, that's not fair. Actually. He, he's been pretty good when played this year, 19.89, 4.2 on pretty decent percentages. Um, but, you know, you got to play. You guys got to play the game. Everyone on Philly's hit up with the COVID He's protocols. a solid player. It's This roster is made up of a lot of, like, efficiency guys. And, you know, when you have some injuries and all you're left is, with is, like, efficiency players like uh, Tyler Halliburton or – or Tyrese Halliburton, excuse me, you know, when Chris Middleton should be back soon, Kelly Olynyk, Grayson Allen. These are, like, good efficiency players, but, like, when you lose the counting stats and you have injured guys, who are you going to pick up? You're going to pick up inefficient, you know, numbers guys, and you're you're kind of just hurting yourself in multiple directions at that point. Yeah, if you're, if you're playing the efficiency stats, you generally need to at least be, like, making the moves to get, like, the steals and blocks up. But if you're, if you're rostering – Four injured players, meaning two in the IL spot and two on your active roster, it's pretty hard to do that. So uh, you, you're never going to be able to even muster a 5-4 win. And, you know, it's just not going to add up, unfortunately, for, for him right now. Um, yeah. No, uh, yeah. Let's, uh, I guess we'll, we'll keep it swinging. I mean, we've hit, uh, should we hit quickly Dan's team, I guess, and uh, who's the third, I guess the third team right now in the, in the basement. Uh yeah, I, I don't know how much there is to say about this team. Um, you know, it's I think we know where it's heading. Um, it's just not not looking like a strong season for this team, led by, you know, Zion Williamson's inability to to stay in shape. Uh he has Kem Birch in the IL spot, which is like just really funny to me. Yeah, he recently <laughs> I think had to get a get placed there. Uh, uh yeah, yeah, but like that's a guy like there's, I feel like there's better injured guys on free agency than Ken Birch, you know, like, <laughs> no, yeah, I, there probably is an, a, a better IL option that you could throw in your roster. Uh, yeah. Especially with the team with so many power forward centers, like this is not a guy that you need to like be holding on to, to drop someone else when he comes out off that spot. Though, by the way, I, Yahoo now lets you to drop some Yahoo now allows you to drop someone straight from the IL spot, which I'm not sure was the case in past years. 
Can you also add someone to the aisle spot immediately? I think that's no. like that big one. No, no, that that you definitely can't do. But I, there definitely been times where I wanted, to, I've had someone in the aisle and I couldn't drop them directly, and it's been mm-hmm. like very annoying. But yeah, this team, uh, the only two guys with point guard eligibility are Alex Caruso and Terry Rozier. Um, so you're basically like, you're, this team is basically punting assists and threes right off the bat. Um, and you know, the free throw percentage is going to suffer based on a lot of the big guys he has here. And uh, it's just not, not, not going to be quite enough. I think unless you're making active moves. Yeah. I mean, the keepers have really let him down with, I mean, obviously Zion, you know, I mean, all we're getting is basically a weight watch uh, with him right now. Yeah. And, uh, the Pelicans are basically already out of the playoff picture. I mean, um, yeah, look, a lot of this is simple too, right? Like we always talk about, you know, all these little things, but in, in reality, if you're, if your keeper level players are missing significant playing time, you're going to suffer, especially early in the season. Um, and if you can't ride that storm out, you're in big trouble. So he's unfortunately had bad luck with kind of the guy he built this all around is out. Um, yeah. Even Bam's, know. uh, his, the blocks are non-existent thus far, just 0.4 a game. Uh, yep. so, I mean, you know, he's still putting up a nice double, double with strong percentages, but, uh, you know, right. that's, 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 all, that's all you draft him for, you know, so early, right. It was all the other stuff that was making him valuable in the past. Um, I, I just looked up and down this roster. And I, again, I don't want to beat it up too bad, but like, yeah, he's got your guy, Will Barton. That's a Will, classic. Uh, Will Barton is my boy, you know, and he's, he's performing very nicely this season. I guess he's full, finally feeling strong. Um, and his numbers, I think actually like some guys don't perform well when they have an expanded role, but I think he's a guy that if he's getting more touches, like in minutes is going to do more stuff. So with the absence of Michael Porter jr. In the coming weeks, he, Maybe a really, really good player, and Dan should think about selling high with him, uh, especially if he's not really making a run for the season. Might as well unload him while he is very, very hot right now. He's a top forty-five player. Um, if he if he really leaps to like the top thirty, uh, Dan should unload in my book. Um, and like Dan's carrying Josh Hart, who hasn't been good. Um, he's a good player who gives you like unorthodox stats from from his position, but Dan doesn't need any more rebounds. Like Dan has all centers on his team. So it's, it's like a, it's like an ultra strengths quest team that doesn't really add to five, four wins even. So I don't, I don't know. No, I'm not seeing strong things out of here. Yeah. There's a, there's some strong talent here. So, I mean, it'll be interesting. And, uh, if Dan does decide to start selling at some point, but yeah, for now, I guess he's just trying to uh, turn things around and stockpile assets, but, uh, let's, and maybe we'll hear from like a Justin or maybe Dan or Eric surprise us and turn it around. But let's swing towards like some of the, uh, you know, upper tier talent uh, who's been a little lackluster thus far. I mean, I think everyone after draft night was uh, blown away by Chavir's performance. And yet, you know, the guy's barely over 500 right now. He's at a 14, 12, one of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, sitting in sixth place. Uh, yeah. But the results have been a little meh. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, all this said about the bottom teams, I always, it often feels like the bottom teams, like you don't want to be in the, you know, it's like, it's like a race, right? Like a cross country race. You, you don't want to go out like, like there's, there's no issue if you go out fast, but like, you don't want to be like in the very back of the pack, right? You don't want to get stuck in behind people because then it's hard to, hard to rebound. But I, I don't think you need to go flying out of the gate either. And I think Trevier is in a fine spot for his talent level. Um, you know, 
like I, I like again, he's winning, I think seven, two right now. And so like with that, he'd basically be kind of flying up the table. Um, so like, yeah. And, and that's against you. So he's like, that would swing you to 21 wins. He would have also 21 wins. So, you know, there, there's not that much separates a, a six spot from a one or two spot. Um, there's always inconsistency early in the season. So I'm not really worried about Shabir's team. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. I mean, yeah. Shabir, so thus far, he, he, he tied Duran 4-4, lost 3-6 to John, uh, and beat Dan 7-2. And yeah, I mean, right now he's beating me up pretty good, but he also has, uh, you know, five more games so far this week than me. So, uh, yeah, that's definitely uh, that HGP can make a big difference. In, uh, yeah, yeah, and, and and he's not padding his HGP; only his two moves. So I guess we've got an early answer on whether he's going to be making moves. I guess it matters more for him in the playoffs, assuming he gets there. Um, yeah, look, I mean, obviously, it'd be a, a huge failure if he doesn't make the playoffs this season. But I, I think we're far from from worrying on his yeah. on his side of things. Well, while, while we're here, we should just touch upon. Uh, yeah, NBA related footnote. Uh, do you do you think that the the new rule changes are going to have a you know a big impact on his team's fortunes? I mean, he's got the kings of fakery and James Harden and Trey Young on this roster. Uh, do you think you know neither one's you know meeting their draft day value? Uh, yeah, I, I'm very curious what's going to happen with this rule. I think for the most part, I think fans are enjoying this change, um, which generally gives the NBA confidence to keep going with it, but they also are in, you know, meetings with the players all the times and are hearing from their stars all the time. Um, and I do wonder if they're going to relax some of these things. I also think it's just an, a, like we may have just been in like an adaption adaptation period where the players are feeling it out, seeing what they can get away with, what they can't get away with. And like, look, I, I, James Harden, did he, pull out of shit over the years like yes but do i also think he's a really great basketball player who will probably figure out how to score and get to the line even without the egregious like swooping three you know leaning into contact calls probably uh tonight they played orlando who's not a great defensive team but he put up a triple double 17 11 11 on 55 percent shooting and you know 80 percent from the from the floor he's not going to the line quite as much but um i, I think i think these guys are going to pull together um, and it's it's probably not going to be a huge problem uh, by the second half of the season. It'd be fun if it uh, if it came down to like free throws between Trevier and John in a playoff matchup, and you know, like it's one because uh, you know these guys can't get the same uh, quantity at the line as they used to be. Uh, I don't know. Clearly, uh, it's a different era in James Harden's career. I mean, he might still be like a first round value, but he's no longer uh, you know a top three fantasy ass. So. Yeah, well, and I think also what's happened with this is because of the lack of the, these foul calls. Um, I think the premiums, like the you know, it always used to be if you had if a, a big man heavy roster, you were going to do better in field goal percentages. I think that's even like jumbo jumbified now. That's a word like it's, it's even more prominent because these guards are now not getting fouled. They're taking worse shots and, and dropping their percentages even further from the field. And, and field, goal, field goal percentage has been pretty bad to start the season um, in general. Uh, that combined with the new ball uh, and guys getting a feel on that. I just think a lot of the stuff is going to regress to the mean as we go across the season here. There, we always forget there's bad shooting early in the year. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We also forget, uh, you know, 
regressing to the mean when it comes to, uh, you know, injuries and things of uh, that nature. Uh, let's, let's hit him now while he's still in the conversation. Uh, Corey Hirsch's roster, uh, you know, he's, he's off to a nice start in fourth place at 16, 10 and one. Uh, yeah. Had, had some nice early season wins. Uh, took down Eric seven, two, Levy six, three, had a week one loss to Andrew three, five. Uh, and it's currently beating you, Paul. So uh, no, I, I did. He just surpass me. I was up six three when I last looked. Oh, did he? Oh, you swung it back. All right, it's five three right now. Excuse yeah. me. Yeah, you guys are in a, in a tight one. Yeah, um, yeah. And Jokic is out tonight, so like you know, he gets a little benefit there, but he hasn't beat out all week. Uh, I think I want to point this one out fairly comfortably at the end of the day. Um, but look, you know, Corey was like, so I took a picture of the, the Yahoo post-draft projections and Corey was actually like shockingly to me ranked third in the post-draft projections. I didn't think much of his team. Uh, I think, I mean, obviously the big boost is from miles bridges who I, I think we'll talk about in our next segment a little bit more. So I won't go too deep in here, but, uh, he's been the third ranked fantasy player this year. And we'll talk more about whether that's sustainable or not, but, um, look, that that's, a lot of production. Production. Uh, a guy that you hate, Jared, Jared Allen, has been playing pretty well alongside Mobley. It hasn't been an issue for him getting playing time. Um, you know, well, Marcus Aldridge is on his roster right now. That's kind of funny. I'm seeing that. That must have been a recent ad. Um, Gordon Hayward has been getting playing time and been okay. Uh, you know, so a lot of these picks that didn't seem to be good are, are turning out all right. Uh, I think Pirtle's been pretty good when he's been playing yet and uh yeah another COVID guy uh yeah, yeah. i mean he's he's down uh portal and jalen brown this week and, and Embiid, so it's a rough rough week for him but uh yeah like his team his team has been okay this is one that i'm still not that like you know he has to do some things it's this this roster was 100 percent is going to come down to when other people start making trades is he going to make bad trades or good trades and is he going to you know, keep the ad dropping up to a level that will get him over the hump this year. That's what I really think with Corey's team. Um, yeah. I'm not sold on this as a playoff team still. I, I still don't think it's really that mm. good. I think the teams he played that you mentioned, like, uh, are not that good. So, yeah. yeah I mean, uh, Levy and Eric in the early going is definitely uh, an easier yeah. task. And Andrew in week one, like, not so loaded. Uh yeah, and I think Andrew seems still not so good. Like he, he's twenty six moved his way to fifth place, but I think it's not like a scary roster. I think most of the good teams will probably have their way with Andrew. Um, but yeah, uh, look, that's what fantasy basketball is all about. At the end of the day, is you you win the matchups you can when you can, um, and just hang hang on for as long as you can and get to the playoffs and hope for the best. So Corey's doing that so far early in the season. He has made thirteen moves, which I think is like a a good good level for like a, a middle manager and uh yeah just keep it up Corey. I'm, i think he's doing a good job no, it's it's a nice looking roster right now i mean you know we'll see if uh i think some of these guys might be overachieving a little bit you know like uh jimmy butler is currently fifth ranked player uh, and you know yeah i mean we'll see if jared allen can stay uh this good all year long and if the Cavs, uh you know have their mojo like they've been having out of the gate um Hayward's going to have his injuries. I don't know. They beat the Wizards tonight? They No, they lost by three to the Wizards. Another yeah. surprising team. But, contest. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you figure they're going to stay in the playoff like bubble race, you know. You only have to be a, a 
10 seed to, you know, make the playoffs now. It's being the play-in tournament. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, like you said, Cor- Corey will make a big trade. Uh, and he's not has, he's not scared to like do it early in the season, too. Um, he's definitely an early season guy. It's yeah. going to be a strong one or if it's going to be, you know, middling and kind of leave him handicapped, you know, a few weeks later. And, uh, you know, with the Conley Accords, you only get a couple shots at this. And, you know, if you don't, if you don't get a good bite, you could be fucked. Yeah, I mean, I think I think what Corey generally messes up is that he doesn't understand the value when he's making these trades, and like, there's always some like a, a smart manager can generally throw something in there that will like kind of screw up his valuation. But maybe the Conley Accord stuff saves that for him this season. You know, maybe maybe he's going to acquire the right guys at the right value because, or at least relative to other managers, because of the Conley Accords. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens here. All right. Yeah. So we'll, we'll leave Corey there for now and see how the injuries shake out. Um, why don't we hit the other, you know, top notch contender that uh, certainly seemed like he's the most uh, emotionally torn so far this season, uh, Garrett Commissioner Hoffman. Uh, he's so far had a, a 6 3 victory in week one versus Bibsey, uh, fell to Duran 3 6 in week two, and then took down John 5 3. And uh, he's currently facing uh, Denki this week. Uh, Denki team that's getting a little healthier too, might I add. So might not be as much of a pushover as uh, we've seen thus far. Yeah, uh, this team's fine. Uh, a lot of hype on draft night. Definitely thought he, he definitely thought he was the best manager out there. Yahoo did agree. Um, you know, they had his team actually edging mine out by half a point. Um Whatever that, whatever the hell that means. Uh, I think it's a good roster. You know, so, sometimes <laughs> there is that like fantasy thing where sometimes like your players are all good and they just don't click on the same nights or weeks. And like you, like he has Jordan Poole, who's been by all accounts like really, really, really good this season, uh, scoring the basketball. Darius Garland has been okay. I mean, he's put up a lot of assists, um, even if he's you know turning the ball over quite a bit. Uh, Derek White was a draft night darling. Uh, um, you know, he's he's been like kind of same as last year, which was kind of steady across the board. Chris Paul, maybe a slight drop off from last year, but he's still a top 25 player. Um, AD is AD. Rashawn Holmes is tearing it up as usual. Um, it's a good roster. I mean, I think he's going to surge forward. Brooke Lopez has been out for much of the season. Um, you know, when he comes back, I think he, you know he won't be in jeopardy of losing any minutes or anything like that. And he's Brandon Ingram in the IL spot right now as well. So like this this team, this team's fine. Again, like as long as he stays in those in the top eight for for a decent amount of time, he should be you know no issue here. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's yeah. I was just running through like the uh, his total his team's total stats like you know for the first three weeks and you know basically he's like a top eight team or like better mostly like top four and everything besides turnovers right now so uh you know i guess like scoring is probably like his like next weakest area um but you know he has the the important things uh you know some of the things are just gonna need to balance out i think like you said i mean jason tatum and marcus smart have both gotten out to a rough starts and you know i think that's bound to correct itself i mean i guess if smart got traded that's another story but uh, the Celtics are going to rely on them. You know, they're both getting over 35 minutes a game. So, 
uh, we're bound to see some some progress there. Um, you know, I think he might need to get a little more, maybe a little more loose even with the moves. I mean, just he could churn through some of these guys like uh, just on Tate. I mean, Andrew Wiggins has been, uh, you know, Bogdanovich. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's he's made 21 moves, which is like, you know, it's in the top half of the league. I, I don't think that's bad. Um, I think, uh, you know, he's going to turn that Kevin. He already dropped Kevin Herter, who's on his roster tonight for Torrey Craig for tomorrow. Like there, there is to me something too. If you have like what you consider to be a top two or three roster, to to like it's okay to not win every matchup to your max, and like and just kind of like hold those guys to see if someone gets injured, like you want to have, and, and someone else surges, like you want to be able to have those guys on your roster, not to worry about rushing to the waiver wire to get someone later in the season. So like, I, I, you know, to, like as opposed to like your team or my team where like, we need to be churning right now, basically to, um, to kind of get every, every win we can earlier on in the season, since our rosters are not as naturally talented as other, others, you know, I think the ad drop strategy can vary by where, where your like inherent roster is and what time of the season it is as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, look, I think, uh, it probably comes down to how much you value, uh, you know, being getting that first round by being able to be in cruise control those like final few weeks where you're kind of more so preparing for, uh, you know, what's to come in week 21 rather than, uh, you know, trying to battle for position a week. I, I, yeah, but you know, that's it. 20. But Ira, he's four and a half games out of first place. You know, like I, I think if his team, if his team has three hot weeks, he could win eight, one, three weeks in a row and, you know, find himself well clear of everybody else in, in first place. So yeah. uh, to me, you kind of like, Okay, it's it's very much like running, like like you sit on somebody's heels and then just go when you when when everything clicks in place. And can a roster with Anthony Davis on it have that sort of all clicks in place? And a guy like Jason Tatum who gets COVID every three weeks, yeah. maybe you not. Think, but uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, you would think, yeah, like I mean Nikola Vucevic. I mean that guy's uh, the Bulls are looking pretty good, but he has had a rough go of things compared to what he used to be. I mean, just going from a you know over twenty shots a game to 14 shots a game, shooting 38%, uh, hitting one three-pointer at 26% clip, 72% from the free throw line from a, you know, 80, a 76% shooter for the career. Yeah, I mean, some, some of that will improve, but I think part of it is also, like, look, when you're not featured and you're used to being the guy that shoots the ball 20 times a game, like, you may occasionally, like, you, you may not shoot as consistently as you used to because you're used to, you know that the ball's going to come your way more. And without that, maybe you tighten up or, you know, you're not as ready to go. But uh, you can't really do much when you're in first in the East and, and uh, first or second in the East and, you know, everyone's, everyone's uh, playing well around you. So uh, I think, look, that, that's what Garrett has to live with. It's fine. I think he'll have other options going forward. And, uh, you know, every, everyone can't be constantly getting better in this league, unfortunately. We'll see. It's going it's to be a test for Garrett. I, I think he has a... Higher expectations and less patience than, uh, you know, the way you're presenting his team right now. So it'll be interesting to see how he navigates all this. Um, I don't know if we need to go into all the teams today. Well, we'll be back in a few weeks, I'm sure, as things shake out. But uh, it's an interesting early part of the year. Uh, there's at least a good eight teams, maybe nine, depending on what you want to call Bibsy and Levy right now, uh, who are going to be in this playoff race. And, uh, you know, every stat's going to count for most of us. Uh, as we fight our way to the finish line. Uh, but good level of activity so far. I'm pleased.
Uh, same. Uh, where do we want to go next? You want to talk? Well, I think your, your rundown's a little out of order here. Let's talk about from a fantasy perspective, uh, ride them or sell them. Uh, so you have a list here. Um, let's kind of discuss Al Horford, ride or sell. Uh, if I was already, if I owned him, I would, I'd be looking to sell the guy. Uh, knowing John, I mean, you know, that's a, that's a staple in his lineup for uh, months to come. But, uh, I don't know. Al Horford loves to do a disappearing act. Uh, it's going to come. Uh, and, you know, 2.6 blocks a game is definitely not staying all year long. Yeah. And like, uh, it feels constantly like the, the Celtics are going to blow, blow things up at some point And like, who knows? I, I could even see like a midseason coaching firing if things don't write themselves. So, like, who knows if they like, you know, trade some guys? Maybe they feature Robert Williams more. Than I was thinking about that. what do you think? Do you what do you think the players in the Celtics think of Brad Stevens at this point? Like, do they do they do you see this guy as like a? He's not their coach anymore. I know, but I'm so, you know the guy went from being their coach, presumably like you know like one of like their their friends to some degree. He's a young guy. He's like a, a contemporary to some degree. Uh, and now, you know, he leaves the bench and goes up to the front office. And, you know, he's basically like, oh, I'm going to have to be a little more hands off now. Take some distance from you guys. I, don't know, I feel like I'd be uh, I'd have a hard time working with somebody who did that. You know, I don't think I still really understand why he did that. Or like, I, I don't really understand at all why that occurred. Um, these guys are professionals. I don't really think they care that much who their coaches like. Um, I, I think smart, like smart first class professional. I think those guys are just more fed up playing with each other. Like they, they, they're young guys. They all kind of, you know, despite not really winning anything, they have the disease of more. Like they all just kind of think that they're they're the best. And uh, like, look, people have been talking for years about how at some point this team like they're either going to win young or it's going to get blown up because you can't pay them all what they want to get paid or like, um, you know, are Jalen Brown and, and and Jason Tatum, the best fit next to each other. I, I don't know, but I don't know if it's a Brad Stevens like issue. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm saying he's the issue, but I feel like I'd have a hard time like wanting that guy to be my leader. Uh, you know, when he leaves the trenches with me and then instead like goes, you know, to like the general's room in the back of the uh, I don't know the command center. Uh, I guess it is the one thing I'd say is it's weird being like, well, you know, the reason we lost when I was a coach is because the GM didn't bring in the right guys. So like, I'm going to, I'm going to get rid of some of these dopes for the right, for the right people now, which can definitely be a little awkward, but uh, yeah, I don't really understand what they're doing there. Yeah, well, I guess his reputation can only be better than uh, Danny Angels was around the league after, uh, you know, being in the front office for like two decades, you know, you're going to, you're going to have some bad blood if, if you're around for that long. Um, all right, we said we were going to hit him earlier. Uh, we should touch base on Miles Bridges. I mean, you know, a guy that was uh, an interesting player, you know, after three seasons. Uh, last year, he made some nice strides as a shooter um, and, you know, clearly was like a 1 1 1 kind of guy. 1.8 triples, 40% shooting, 0.7 steals, 0.8 blocks. Um, but not sure if I saw the guy going from, you know, 12.7 points a game to over 22 a night. I think he's really good. That's just kind of my my feel for it. Like, I think after the first week of the season, I I was talking to Duran maybe, and I'm like, it wouldn't surprise me if this guy just is that good now. Um, I remember watching him in college at Michigan State, and just like he had the smoothest jumper, 
for, for like a college guy. It's like he, he would just stand in that corner and roast. And then he'd like, anytime someone closed out on him, he, he was finishing at the rim. Um, he just has a, a powerful game. He loves basketball. It seems, um, you know, people talk about him like he's a real gamer. So when you can kind of combine the athleticism and the work ethic and the basketball IQ, like it, it's just going to happen eventually. I think you see like a th- third, fourth season, a lot of times guys pop, like Paul George popped around that time, especially when you have all the athletic tools and you're just figuring out the speed of the NBA game. Sometimes it, it just takes that, that long to click for certain people. Um, I think it's sustainable. I think uh, that's a really good weight keeper for Corey. Um and he got a little lucky there, and it's good. I, I don't think he's losing his time to PJ Washington when he comes back from injury uh, at all. So um, I, I think I think he's here to stay. I would hold yeah. on to him. An eighth round selection. I wonder if Corey even drafted the guy, or if he was just a, an auto draft one because he was having some issues there in draft night. Yeah, uh, that's the other thing with him. Like you have to hold him because like you're never going to get the value for next season. Like he's not going to slip below like a. I don't think he's slipping below like a fourth round value. So. To me, you almost have to keep him. Yeah, you're high on him. Yeah, yeah I think he's really uh, good. I, I I like his build, but I mean, I'm still. I guess we'll see. It seems like the scoring. It's tough to be. I mean, you know, there's maybe you put him above like Terry Rozier in the pecking order, but I mean, he's still like there's still Lamelo, there's still Gordon Hayward. Uh, there's a lot of mouths to feed in Charlotte. Uh, yeah, but I I don't necessarily think he's like a lot of guys could score. That's also like, and Lamelo is like not necessarily hunting points. Like he's going to get his shots. That's not a problem. Um, Bridges could get, get things off like putbacks and like cuts. And like, he, he just finds his way into the game. I think, you know, I, I think he's a guy that like, they're going to figure out getting him offense because he, he's just a good basketball player. And um, I think they probably see him as like a number two, number three guy on a very good playoff team. Not so far down the road. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, he's he's having another rough shooting night, so that's four straight games now under forty percent. Uh, you know, I guess the big stat to keep an eye on is if his steals, which are at one point seven right now, if they stay that high, he's gonna be looking like a a pretty good place. Uh, you know, he's gonna be averaging presumably over eighteen points for the season. So you know, he's at twenty two right now. Uh, but yeah, definitely unexpected. But uh, you know. Definitely part of the reason Corey's finding so much uh, success in the early going. Uh, let's see who else do we have here on this list. We don't hit everybody. Well, let's do let's do an oldie, another oldie, Harrison Barnes. Uh, sell. <laughs> Guy, you see, guys at his age don't just get miraculously better. I think he's in a hot run of form, which he's had in the past. You have the stats up. Uh, I could get it quickly. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's shooting. He's a very, he's an efficient he's an efficient player on offense. I mean, he's at. 49.7% from the field, 86.4% from the line. Uh, you know, and I mean, he's a pretty strong shooter to begin with. Uh, 22.5 points, 8.7 rebounds, 1.1 steals. Uh, yeah, 2.7 triples. Um, you know, so, I mean, he's done these things before to some degree. Uh, he's hit 2.53s in a season. He shot 49.7% last season. Uh, he's a career eighty percent guy from the line. Uh, I don't know. It's it's it doesn't seem impossible to be honest. I mean, I would kind of say like it kind of goes hand to hand with another guy on the opposite side of our list, uh, De'Aaron Fox, who's you know kind of kind of struggling right now uh, on the other end of the spectrum. I mean, I think we've been waiting for this guy to really like 
pop for every year. I feel like he's been in the league and, you know, he gets like two months of, of like sweet goodness and then he kind of regresses back to the, you know, whether it's the field goal percentage or the free throw percentage or the three pointer abandons him. He's kind of like a mini Westbrook almost, uh, you know, very volatile. Yeah. Uh, Amy tried calling me in the middle of this, so I may have lost. Do you change people you're talking about? Are you still talking about Harrison Barnes? I did switch. I said, you know, I feel like it kind of goes hand to hand with De'Aaron Fox to a degree. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Fox right now is at 18.6 points a game down from 25 last year. Uh, so, you know, that's a pretty big dip. Wait, I, I just got to bring this up for the people at home here. Ira had two different lines on this rundown. One is called yeah. ride them out or sell them off. And one is called give up or hold on. What, what is the difference here? <laughs> <laughs> well, ride them out is, you know, you think, you think the highs can stay high and give up or hold on means, you know, you think you should trade them off or, you know. That, it's the same uh, thing. Well, just different terms. Yes. But why but, would you have two items on the rundown for that? Well, one, one row is players that are doing well, and the next row is players that are doing poorly. I see what you're saying. Paul doesn't do his research. Yeah. No, no, I, I come here as unprepared as possible. All right, that's what yeah, people want. All right, well, well, let me just do quick hitters in on this. Okay, on the ride them out or sell them off of the people that are doing well, I'm going to say sell Cole Anthony. I don't believe in that dude at all. I, I especially Fultz is going to come back. Um, you know, I, I just don't, uh, I, I don't trust it. Gary Trent Jr. I think he's a role player. I'm selling that one. Uh, Carmelo, I'm holding on him. I actually think like. He's going to have a role on that team. They just don't have that much depth, and he serves a purpose. Montrezl Harrell, I don't understand why he fell where he did like this year in general. Um, like Gafford was the most overhyped fantasy player, and for no reason, when Montrezl Harrell like he had like one season where he wasn't dominant, like last year, it just the Lakers are a weird are a different thing than every other team in the league. Montrezl Harrell's always been a good fantasy player when he's gotten minutes, so like obviously he's good. Um, Mo Bamba, eh. Eh. <laughs> indifferent. Will Barton, I'm going to hold, especially with the Michael Porter Jr. thing being out. Yeah. Okay. All right. Huh? Yeah. I mean, I think I mean, the challenge is if you could sell them and actually get something decent back for any of these guys, you know, I mean, I think like uh, probably like a Harrell you could sell and actually get something that's like pretty nice or. You know, you could probably trick somebody into a Bamba because just he's young and blocks are sexy, I think. Um, yeah, the other name's probably tougher to move uh, in comparison. But, uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's interesting seeing some of these guys come back from the dead, like, you know, Harold or Carmelo or, you know, people who you never really thought would uh, see the light of day in fantasy again. Yeah, I mean, that's what makes it fun, I think, you know, just having those kind of bounce backs and, and buying on those guys when, when it's kind of out. All right, let's. Uh, I think we'll go with fantasy talk. We spend quite quite a bit of time on that, um, as always. But uh, we have we have more to discuss here. And I think high on this list, and he's probably mad we didn't talk about his team, even though he's in second place, which is kind of how we normally treat his team. But uh, Duran <laughs> returning to the tri-state area. Any any thoughts here? No, it's a uh, it's big news for uh, you know he's towards the big boy years. So, you know, I think uh, you know when you look when you look at the. Uh, the softball dynamics, I mean, this could be a game changer, right? No, nobody thought uh, we'd get getting talent back in the group, you know? And this could be a big uh, a big shot in the arm, I think, for the uh, 
the entire man movement, you know, in the uh, the Hoboken East Brunswick areas. So uh, yeah, I think it's it's exciting for the league. And, you know, I think Duran's been edging towards this. It feels like in recent years, you know, I think the uh, COVID and the you know the threat of Trump, you know, really brought him back to us. And uh, yeah, I think it's a beautiful thing. I had I had my doubts for a few years about Duran's sustainability and he starts with big boy years and. Uh, you know, Paul always had the utmost confidence, and it looks like it's uh, turned around nicely. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm I'm going out to visit him in Chicago this weekend, so finally, Amy and I are going as a as a couple to visit them out there. So we have not done that, so we'll get that in before he moves back, and uh, looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, excited to have him here. I don't think he'll be living in Hoboken, so uh, maybe fewer Saftabas than than you would think. But not that Satchel is happening that often these days anymore anyway. It's only and, uh, a Zoom right away. You know, hop on yeah. the train, you know. But, but, but I'm excited. I'm excited for, for forcing him to come to, like, he'll, I'm, I'm sure he'll be around for draft night, which I know he's always, always enjoyed when he was around. So uh, mm-hmm. those kind of major events will be nice to have him around here for, for sure. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll be back at a bees manager's meeting, you know. Yeah, we can go old school with things. Uh, all right. Uh, let's hit. Next on the rundown, uh, well, I'll say, yeah, we ca- I think we came into this pod, uh, I, ca- I felt like very emotionally drained after the uh, after that Rutgers Lehigh game. I had to pour myself a stiff drink uh, to try and just, uh, you know, get over it. It did not feel like free basketball that over time, it felt like more like a no, punishment. It, uh, I gotta tell you, like, uh, it's one game, okay, it's one game, but for a group that has played so much together, the core, right? Your starting lineup, four of the five guys in your starting lineup have been together for, you know, three three to four years at this point. Um, to come out kind of flat, to still not really understand each other offensively or to have any sort of offensive rhythm. And, and now is the point where I think, like, look, we love Steve Peichel. He brought this team and program back from the absolute dead. And, like, he gets a lot of – like all the credit for that. Um, but at some point you need to implement like an offense that actually gets your guys decent looks. Um, like I'm worried for like next year when like when Ron Harper's off this team and Geo Baker's off this team, like is this team going to score 20 points a game? <laughs> I, I really don't understand. Like besides those guys getting like, uh, like when Ron Harper is able to overpower guys or Geo gets into his step back game, uh, how is this team getting regular buckets? I, I just don't really see it consistently. There's no flow to how they play. And the defense has now regressed. I mean, obviously, like, we can't say it's regressed this season because it's one game, but, like, the defense looked absolutely atrocious despite in pumping up how this team was getting back to their defensive ways and rebounding ways. I just didn't see it tonight. So it's uh, pretty concerning. Maybe this is the wake-up call the team needs to, like, not just right, like rest on their laurels from last season, but they need to start playing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think like like you said, one of the key takeaways is yeah, it's only one game, first game of the season. You know, uh, if you're, it's the time to come out kind of cold and rusty if you're going to. But uh, you know, I mean, I know the media is all bullshitters and it's gonna kiss ass and whatnot, but uh, they helped this team up quite a bit. And uh, yeah, I mean the off, I mean offensively, what they just they were just using their they're brute force to get through these guys. And I mean, you know, Lehigh's not going to be what you see. And, uh, not a couple months. 
Yeah. Yeah. You got no fucking chance of, uh, you know, just doing that. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, Cliff looked pretty good. Cliff looks like at least he was a man amongst boys. Uh, you know, I think he still needs to learn defensively. I mean, he's still, still got some work to do, but at least on offense, he was finding good ways to uh, help and had a few nice post moves. Um, yeah. I mean, okay. He's a, uh, Okay, it's kind of like uh, like Westbrook to a degree. Like he just needs the ball, or else like you know he's useless out there. I don't know. He's good at being an asshole too, though. And just today he wasn't. I don't know. Uh, well, the first half he was like great, and then the second half, like literally, it's like the monsters took his powers in the locker room at halftime. Like he was falling all over the place. And... He got he got there though, and then and then at OT he had a few big plays for us. So I mean, it was a very yeah. I don't know. I think. The offense is yeah. The offense wasn't smooth whatsoever. The defense seems yeah. They don't. They seem slow. They've lost their. They lost their athleticism, uh, or they had it. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, there was a few bright spots off the bench. We'll see if that develops into something or not. Yeah. Um, well, look, I'm I'm just really concerned that like yeah, look, the offense has never been that fluid under Peichel, but like they had individual athletes that could get, kind of get it done. I think they have a few like a little bit less of that this season and. Like, to me, there's no reason you can't – you have a lot of guys that are skilled in a lot of different ways, and, like, you have guys that are good passers, cutters. Um, there's no reason not to design, like, a better offense around that, and he's had a lot of time to do so now and, and just hasn't taken advantage, in my opinion. Yeah, but, I mean, you you and Andrew both were able to call <laughs> the, uh, the final possession play, and, I mean – you know, not that it, like it's hard to predict like hero ball, but like it's, it's not. Even, but no, it's not even predicting hero ball. It's it, they've literally run the exact same. Give it to Geo Baker, let him stand there. Eleven seconds, bring the fake horns up. Both guys slip, and now you just have a one on one ISO Geo at the top of the key. It's it's the exact same they've run for uh, for at least two years now. They used to always kind of sometimes run like one of the screens, but now like. For whatever reason, Geo decided to use James Harden, which actually I've always thought was like a – he's not as good as James Harden, but like the way he plays, kind of like going for contact and like just as – he prefers he prefers the ISO drive to the pick and roll drive um, because he doesn't like the, the second defender coming. Um, but like I don't want him taking pull-up threes in ISO like to end every single game. It's, it's You're not going to – it's not going to go every time. Well, yeah, I mean – uh, he might have been on the the some sort of like superior isolation score trajectory, but uh, you know he's gonna have to become a little more ball dominant and be a little more selfish to uh, continue that. But it was great watching one of uh, Rutgers, you know, scores uh, McConnell stand in the corner and really, really just pull some Durant tactics. Just seemed to be talking to the bench during the play, knowing he wasn't he wasn't involved and distracting his <laughs> man. I mean, he was. Uh, no, no question. Uh, everybody was fooled there. So I, I don't fucking know how you can watch your player fucking talk to his own bench in the corner and not be involved in a play whatsoever. But it's gonna be a long year. It's gonna be a long year. I uh, think so too. And, and and what I've learned about Pike Wilson is like it's not like he's saving his plays for the Big Ten. Like what we see now is kind of what we get. Yeah, there's there's no Gary Waters half court press coming or full full court press. Uh, We're still waiting on that Gary Waters. Uh... The, the the 94 40 pressure that he had promised you know his first year but uh i go on forever about this but yeah all right all right let's keep going uh is it just weird does levy's wedding feel like it was like an eternity ago it know. feels solidly like it was two months ago yeah i don't know what it was two three weeks, weeks three, three weeks. weeks yeah i don't know where the time goes 
I feel yeah. I don't know. Being back in the real world, I feel like is it just uh, it feels a lot faster than it used to be. Uh, but yeah, wanted to do a do a wedding check in. Was there any uh, any exciting behind the scenes takeaways? Uh, you know, with the uh, the groom in the dressing room before the big day began. Nothing like specifically exciting. Um, it was fun. It was one of the better like hangs because there was like three TVs in the room and nice leather couches. So like at least if you're sitting there doing nothing for five hours, like we were occupied and entertained. So that was nice. Mm. <coughs> oh God, I did like a drink of something. Oh. I got like, tickled in the throat, but, uh, but uh, yeah, it was, it was fun. Nothing crazy. Um, didn't like being told by the photographer to, can you all do a, do a cheers, but you just. Not a cheers kind of guy. Well, not, not your go-to. Don't tell me to do a cheers. What is that? Isn't that just like you all raising your glass and saying cheers? Yeah, say raise them? a glass. It's not proper English to say do a cheers. What the fuck is do a cheers? And I've been hearing this. <laughs> I've ran into other people about this. Two, too. four, six, eight. How do we appreciate it? <laughs> do a cheers is not a thing. Definitely to like a group of men, it's a very strange thing to say, I think. Um, very strange. Do a cheers. Did not like that at all. <laughs> I'm glad you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> was it? Was it? I figured, was there a photographer a last minute edition? Is that who? The videographer, the videographer canceled on them and they replaced the videographer. Okay, but this is a different, this is the photographer, not the videographer. Yep. Okay, gotcha. I think you like Black Guy. I like him, my, uh, my photographer. He's a runner, or he's did a running documentary. He'll be right up your alley. He's, he's been in a running documentary? He did a running documentary. He uh, filmed one. Yeah, he like filmed one, yeah. Which one was it? Uh, I forget the name. It was like it was about somebody who was gonna like run basically from the the like the northern tip of New Jersey to the southern tip of New Jersey. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, guy's name is Greg Lasick. I have to find that. I wanted to watch. I didn't. I never got around to watching the actual documentary. Um, I bet he has good vision for your video. Running the one eighty four. That's what it's called. Uh, it's got an eight point eight out of ten on IMDb. With thirty four votes, so not not the probably a lot of his friends, but and where can our listeners find this streaming? I think it's on YouTube, actually. YouTube, okay. Yeah, yeah. You you, you can look it up and drop a link in the uh, the pod notes, everybody. <laughs> yeah, you can do it. It's okay. You send it out in your message with. Okay. Um, Aviation review. Vacation oh, yeah. with. Oh, yeah, no, just that. Yeah, thought we would touch base on the on our time with the babies, and I, I mostly wanted to. I know uh, what you. Re- I know what you really want to talk about here. It's quite obvious, right? What's that? The uh, the game. Yeah, no, I thought we could talk about it. Yeah, it was, uh, it, was it was interesting performance on your part, Paul, on your <coughs> on your part, Paul. I don't know what you have to say for yourself. I mean, do you want to set the, Do you want to set the scene for? Since I don't think anyone listening was there. Yeah, that's fine. So we were playing uh, what Hail Hitler or whatever. Secret, uh, Secret Hitler. Secret Hitler. Thank you. I, I was a first time player myself, but uh, kind of like Mafia, which I imagine many of you have played. Uh, you know, where the whole point of the game is to, uh, within the rules, lie and deceive your opponents into, you know, thinking you're a Democrat and a good guy, and if you're a bad guy or Hitler, you want to trick them into giving you the power, even though you're Hitler, the bad guy. Um, yeah. So we had, we played a few rounds and uh, yeah, I think we had two, two clean plays of the game, you know, where the rules were followed. And then, uh, you know, Paul, Paul decided just to blow it up the third game. He, uh, you know, 
just lied about his whether or not. Uh... Well, I was being very unclear here. What happened is the first two rounds, the fascist one. The third round, I decided that I was going to look through my sweatshirt instead of covering my eyes to see who the fascists were. I immediately told them that I cheated and looked. And, uh, and well, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he told us. I said that. I said that. And then I said I was joking. And then yeah, I said, that... no, I wasn't joking. Or was I? And basically people flip shit and then the game was essentially over. One person stormed upstairs without saying anything. Uh, no one wanted to play anymore. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah, Let's back that, up a few that steps. That was over. That was over. For starters, yeah. for starters okay. I, for starters, what I did was, was wrong. So I'll, I'll get that out of the way right off the bat. I should have just not played the game. Which, for the record, I said multiple times that I did not want to play the game. I... Didn't think I would enjoy it. I thought it would be stupid. Proved right. Um, and I didn't want to play, but I was begged to play for no real reason other than like one person wanted to play, basically. So I played out of I think kindness. a few of us wanted to play, but yeah. yeah no. Well, apparently not enough to make it a, a good game. Secondly, the problem, <laughs> the, the, I think what made me annoyed, and of course part of this was that I was drinking too, right? I would not have done this sober. I just would have stopped playing probably um, or just sucked it up. But uh, I found that the nature of the game was pretty ridiculous that like basically the fascist side had every single advantage in the book and there's actually like there's no actual skill to the game whereas like where, where you could really figure out it, the fascists know who the other fascists are they they kind of have all the power of the lying there's nothing that the liberals could actually do the, the democrats could do to actually like collaborate with each other so it's literally one side in this game has all of the power and it's just yeah. luck whether they think, fuck it up or not. I think it's a, well, I think, I mean, part of the game is as you, you know, as so, you successfully so, put cards down, you get to see other people's cards. So, I mean, that's really the only way that the, the liberals can. Right. But, but people are misplaying things intentionally all the time. And the, but the fascists know that and the liberals don't. So like the, it's very like you, for instance, were completely deceived by everybody. You were on the liberal team both times and literally thought that every other person in the room was a fascist. So I didn't get every person wrong. You were but... basically wrong about everybody. Uh, um, that's not true. Well, that's not true because you thought you guessed the four people that were fascist. Or, I had one or two wrong each time. Which, but, but, but my, my point is it's a, it's a game where like it's, it's not actually fun because like unless you're one of the people that is trying to essentially like screw over the game – there's there's nothing you could do. It's all it's all really out of your power. It doesn't matter how smart you are. You're not going to figure out what's going on. So like it, it's it's not actually like a, a a very interesting strategy game at all. I mean, how would you compare that to poker? Or would you say you don't like poker anyway? So it's like no yeah. poker poker. There's obviously luck, but you're playing with a uh, an equal deck, and the odds are the odds are like in, the same every time. Well, I mean, it's about what hand you get at the first place. No, I mean that makes a big of, difference. Of course, but but that's not what like that's not what this is. This is at the beginning of the game. You are either one of these two things, and if you're one of these things, you have like an eighty five percent chance of winning. And if not, you're like there's nothing you do. And secondly, or I'm not even on secondly anymore. I'm whatever. Really, <laughs> uh, basically, what it becomes is this game of everyone's just yelling at each other and mistrusting each other. Which like which our group does not necessarily need more of. In the the, first issue, the issue with the game is that in order to do well, I would say, is you really need to you kind of have to be like a lawyer who's trying to 
probe somebody so aggressively to make them crack. Uh, so it, it's hard. It, yeah. And that, but not only that, you, you, also need to, you also need to convince everybody else that's in your position that that, that is the correct thing, which is impossible to do. At least, at least amongst like you don't have to convince everybody. You need to convince the people the, the, that are this game. This game is likely more fun and more intended for like newer groups of friends that haven't known each other for twenty years. With like, you know, like you automatically didn't trust me just because you're like, oh, he's trying to do something, and it's like, no, I'm just trying That's to understand. Sure. I, I, I think I, I thought you were like a liberal every time. I was. You are. A... You are the biggest liar. You literally. Put it in my face and said, "Fascist, fascist, fascist." Both games. You absolutely did. Both games, Ira. I, I, of All course, right. I remember this. So, yeah, of course, you. <laughs> so, so this game is not really conducive to having a fun time, and we were really bullied into the situation where we had to play this game. Like we we're all well, having a nice. I, time. Want, I wanted to play, but we, I we, were, we were all having a nice time play. before we were playing this game. We were having good conversation, and then we had to play this right off the bat. The person who introduced the game. I will not name, uh, like, and I called that person out on it, was immediately, instead of trying to actually help people understand how to play the game, was trying to improve that person's situation in the game, like, and trying to pass it off like they were helping people yes, understand. It, it, it wouldn't be how Garrett, Commissioner Garrett Hoffman plays the game. It, it, was just, it was just kind of like a, okay, so this is cutthroat, then, like, you know, I felt, do I feel bad about ruining the game and, and, and everyone going off in a huff? I think you were a little yes. sore about it. Well, yeah, it was a little, it was a little <laughs> dramatic that people reacted that way, in my opinion. You could have kept playing and kicked me out. I was you rather to, disappointed with your actions as well. So. That's fine. You don't have to take your ball and go home. You can keep playing without me. You know, it's like not, it, it literally wasted maybe three minutes. Uh, but people, people, you know, are a little much. So anyway, uh, that's, that's my end of rant on that. It, it's not a good, good game. I would not recommend you go out and buy Secret Hitler. Uh, not very fun. At least don't play with Paul if you're going to do so. That's for sure. No, definitely not. I, I will not be playing that game anytime soon. And those <laughs> people learn their lesson too that don't force me to play a game that I don't want to play. Uh, you know, because I'm not going to, I'm not going to partake. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm, I'm glad you came prepared for that, for that section of the uh, podcast. Yeah. Uh, don't, you know, don't, don't come here with baby, babyation review. Like, I didn't know what you were going to ask me about. Come on, Ira. <laughs> no, you're gonna trap me here. Right, right. <coughs> excellent, excellent podcast content. New barriers now. Take it from the fantasy, from fantasy. You know, see the fantasy basketball carries over to all facets of life. You know, that's uh, yeah. yeah. I just hope you keep this kind of a scoundrel play out of the uh, the league. You know, we have some reputation to maintain here, Paul. Yeah. Well, we hey, by the way, we. We, there were a few things we, we forgot to mention that we wanted to just touch on quickly. Uh, shout out to Ricky Rubio. He put up like the greatest game of his career against the Knicks uh, a few nights ago. So like shout out to, what was it, 27 points? Like, uh, like 38, yeah. Yeah, sorry, 38, yeah. This insane great shooting. He hit eight threes, I think. Um, so good for, good for my boy Ricky. Back on my team where he belongs. Um, you know, very <laughs> happy about both that. Both big fans of him, both big fans, yeah. That's right. I'm happy for him. Yep. Um, you know, a- anything you want to add to the, the Jokic brothers versus the Morris brothers situation? Oh, well, I mean, I hope this, I hope, yeah, I mean, I guess Nicholas got still several years left in the league, but hopefully one day this, uh, you know, we could see this in the MMA ring, you know, uh, where we can have a proper brawl. Um, but yeah, I wish, uh, I kind of wish it was going to be, uh, you know, Marcus, who was going to be see, uh, going to see Nicola first. 
because uh, I feel like there's to be a lot more like uh, drama. Like, is he gonna make a move or not? Because like you know, you know that him and Marquis were definitely gonna have some exchange. Was this the fastest flip in narrative? Where like, I, did you see the Richard Jefferson Twitter video? Mm-mm. He he basically posted this angle from like behind Jokic, where you see Mar- Markeef like go into Jokic's ribs and like thro- sharply throw an elbow, and Richard Jefferson's basically like, like he shouldn't have done that and he shouldn't have done that. But like basically, the more like the Morris twins have been doing this shit for a decade now, and it, it's it's total horseshit. They've injured people doing it, and it's like you know not. I think that's why it was only a one game suspension. I think the NBA is fed up of of them. For some reason, having goon status where no one else can. like that just happens in the NBA. I've noticed also some guys just get this reputation as being tough guys when they're really just like cheap shot artists, and and they kind of get away with it more than other people. Hmm. And they are definitely in that category. They've had interesting careers, but both the Morris twins, very like like I feel like I've like written them off like three times each, where it's just like you know like these guys are never going to be like. Anything worthwhile? Like but I always not, hated. They're Mar- not. But they keep I always hated Marcus. They keep like getting signed. He was. They the keep worst. getting. Oh, he was such a ball hog on that team. Yeah, it was brutal. And he always <laughs> killed the Knicks too, which made it even worse. Always killed the Knicks. Um, oh, yeah, the Knicks were fucking cannon fodder back then. So. They were terrible. But like Taj Gibson's one of those. Like Taj Gibson's not an asshole, but like I, the way that guy said screens, like literally, I mean. Does any ref outside of the NBA not call that a moving screen? What what he does with his elbows out and he's pushing guys and holding guys when he's screening? It's like, it's like I don't understand why the NBA can't just clean this shit up and like not give preferential treatment to, to guys like based on based on reputation, which makes no sense. Call the game as it is and and like no bullshit, you know? I don't know. Well, yeah, the game's getting there. I mean, look, I've, it seems like everyone. I have to get my cable package back restarted still because uh, my mother's still in transition. <clears throat> but uh, once I have it back up and running, you know, I can watch more basketball. It sounds like the game is, uh, you know, being well, uh, well received this season in terms of like the flow and the defense is starting to catch back up now to the offense finally. Yeah, it looks good. Uh, yeah, I, mean, so. I, I think one of the bigger misconceptions is that people don't like defense, which like most people's complain about the NBA is that there's like the defense is too soft. Like th- this goes back, swings it back a little bit in the other direction. I think it's a good move, you know, get rid of the nonsense. And, you know, the offense already has so many advantages in today's game. That there's no reason to give them every, every little, little, little thing, you know, it, it's not bad to swing back. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, I, th- I think we're all in agreement there. I don't know. Maybe the kids like all the, like the Steph Curry shit and whatever, just, you know, like threes, but. Yeah, but you could have the Steph Curry shit without, without like, you know, you'd still, you had Steph Curry shit without like the, the the James Harden shit, and like, I like they're finally like apparently Chris Paul has gotten no calls on some of his like slam on the brakes move, which to me has always been like a not a basketball move at all. Like, if you're going mm-hmm. forward and you just stop, like that, I never understood why that's a foul. It's 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 smart, and if you get the call, great, but like that's not basketball. So yeah, anyway. no, I'm with you. Yeah, it's interesting. Chris Paul's having a great season in fantasy. Yeah, it doesn't seem like he's been impacted much by the rule changes. He always has a great season in fantasy. When's he not had a great season in fantasy? He's been no. We all just always think he's gonna get old, and, and that's why he drops in our draft. That's it. This year he didn't really drop. It's yeah. early, uh, but we should put a tentative hold on the calendar for uh, you know December eighteenth. We got a uh, Daryl Williams or Frank Gore. That could be a. Uh, an excellent soft to hang. 
Or just call it what it is, your birthday hang. It'll be your birthday hang. I'll I'll also leverage that, you know. That's just an extra (laughs) way of forcing you all to show up and drink. So, you know, take every every boost I can get. Every boost I can get. But uh, Let Let me make sure I'm good in the calendar here. Let's see. Wait, December 18th? That's a Thursday. No, it's a Saturday. I'm looking at November, my bad. Oh, yeah, I'm good to go. Let's go. Week before Christmas. Christmas coming early for the Jews. Very nice. All right, yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, Anything else before we get off here? No, I think that's all I got for today. Uh, You know, looking forward to, uh, you know, seeing how the season progresses. I guess we'll be back in a few weeks as we, you know, hit the midseason and, you know, we can officially write some teams off and, uh, you know, maybe we'll get a trade or two, something to get excited about. Uh, but, yeah, good job, League. I don't think we have any no uh, lineup setting violations yet. I don't think. There's been a few close calls, but uh, I think everyone's keeping it together for the moment at least. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, very exciting start to the season. It helps. So we haven't mentioned it all podcast that, you know, we're in first and third place respectively. So our, our energy and emotions are at, a, at an all time high right now. And uh, let's keep it, keep it going here. Uh, I'll talk to you soon, Ira. All right. Take care. Uh, yeah. Give some audio reviews, everyone. We'd appreciate the five stars and uh, yeah, let me know how the mic sounds. Later. <laughs>